Courtside Conversations and welcome to a very special episode. Today we bring to you Josh Ibrahim of JE Sports Agency. Josh was kind enough to talk with us and give us some insight into the world of sports agency as well as give us some thoughts around the NBA. Um, without further ado, it was a great interview and I hope you enjoy listening. Let's get into it. Josh Ibrahim of JE Sports Agency. What made you want to become a sports agent? And then I guess the second part of that would be why did you focus on basketball specifically? Okay. So, well, it's it's kind of a long story, but I'll, I'll <laughs> kind of like, <laughs> yes. I'll, I'll, I'll keep it. Uh, you know, trim. Yeah. Um, basically, basically, what happened is, um, you know, I've, I've always, I've, I've grown up, I've grown up in the game of basketball. Didn't play it competitively, but um, I was a, I was a, I was a pretty good hockey, ice hockey player actually growing up, and um, ended up, ended up playing overseas professionally for like three seasons. And um, I had an agent that was working for me, basically handling all the deals and basically, you know, being my bridge of communication with with the team because, you know, I played in Korea, I played in Germany and I played in Japan and I don't know any of those languages. So um, it was very important that when I went over that the communication barrier wasn't an issue because there's tons of stuff like with the code, with the playing style and, and injuries and stuff like that. Right. So basically um, the first two years were really good. Um, and then my third year I went to South Korea and was playing there and I hurt my, I tore some ligaments in my ankle. And uh, so I went through like a rehab. I was out for like two months and then when they did the like they did the x-rays again um it showed that everything was like completely healed and um and i was like well it doesn't feel healed so there was like you know i was like it still feels super tender like i don't want to like rush back and uh so i was basically telling my agent I'm, listen you got to tell them like i don't care if it's clear or not like i don't i'm i'm not ready to play and uh and uh, it got into like a big like contract, like there was a big like contract dispute, and and basically they were gonna they were gonna release me if I didn't go back after being medically cleared. And I'm like, no, dude, like I'm not going. Like, and um, basically, long and short of it is, is that he basically just um, he didn't really kind of like fight for my best interest. I think he was just trying to. It felt like it was like a very money-driven move to push me back, even though I was telling him I wasn't ready and, and things like that. So I ended up parting parting ways with the team, and then I just I stopped. Like I was like, dude, like you can't like that's that's not how an agent should operate. So when my career was done, I came back to the states, and um, I ended up going back to school to get my MBA, Master of Business Administration. Yeah. And then I had some friends that were working in the entertainment business. Um, so I came, I started working with these guys and met um, some of my future clients, which was uh, Two Chains. I don't know if you've heard, I'm sure you've heard of them. Two yeah. Chains, um, Kelly Rowland, and uh, 
the Pussycat Dolls. All right. Um, so I was I was rep I was there I was their um their agent for about two years dealing in the entertainment side of it, and it just got super exhausting. Like I was loving it, like it was super fun, super exciting. A lot of you know, a lot of good deals were made, but at the end of the day, you're just dealing with you know a bunch of layers, you know, managers, family, wives. Yeah. It just got super exhausting trying to like, you know, push, you know, push, you know, basically like, listen, like if you want to be their agent, you can be their agent. Like, but you, I mean, you know, but you're acting like you're the agent and you're not, you know, and it just got like super frustrating. And I'm just like, I just took a step back and just stepped away from the entertainment side of it. And then, um, you know, I'd always talked about doing MBA and, and being in the sports side of it just because, you know, I have that experience of being an athlete. Granted, it wasn't in basketball, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you can you can see athleticism. And, and if you watch the game enough, you can kind of learn everything else. Um, so that's that's kind of, you know, why I decided to do basketball. I'm not going to lie and say that money wasn't a wasn't a factor in it as well, especially with all the rising salary caps and, and this, the ridiculous contracts that are being dished out right now. So, um, but you know, I've been at it for, uh, next month will be one full year that I've been certified. Um, and, uh, you know, I've, I've managed to secure two clients within, within a year, you know, a hall of fame, NBA champion coach and a pretty, pretty good international prospect. And, you know, and then next couple of months we should be solidifying our first draft class. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's really how it kind of came about. Um, you know, I love it. You know, there's, there's still some things that you got to deal with, but it's not as bad as like the entertainment side of it. And, and, uh, but I think all of the experience from my past is translated into into this, into this company and position and, and, uh, it's going very nicely. So. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And, and just on that real quick, was your, your transition to, um, the sports and, and the basketball side of things going from entertainment, was that, I mean, you just said it yourself, it was a lot more, uh, less stressful, but, um, yeah, was that like a, a much easier transition for you? Would you say? Yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, it, it definitely was. Just because I know I, I I follow sports, I follow sports more than I followed like the entertainment side of it. So, right. it you know, like my dad and I like love basketball. Like we watch NBA all the time, and so I mean, I I had a good like foundation of it in the very beginning as far as, um as far as just the, the scouting and like the performance side of it. Now, obviously the business side of it and, and making the connections and meeting all of the, I mean that, yeah, that's, that's definitely, I mean, but you got to do that in any industry. You got to, you got to network, you got to meet people, you got to, um, you know, make phone calls, reach out to whoever you need to reach out, reach out to. And I think that was the biggest thing for me is just making sure that, that, um, you know, I made, I made, I met the right people and, uh, I met the right people and I was at the right tournaments and I was at the right college scouting events and, and things like that. And it's worked out really well. Um, you know, I have a very good, 
have a very good solid base foundation with pretty much all of the teams um and uh you know so yeah i mean as far as the transition goes it's definitely been easier i think one thing that helps coming from the entertainment side of it is the endorsement opportunities because i was doing that a lot for my clients yeah and uh i think i think a lot of I could now really like that aspect of I can kind of bridge, you know, if it's done, like I can make that happen in like 30 seconds, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, so, I, and, and then also from the endorsement, it's like, yeah, I mean, make a lot of money on the endorsement side of it and pro athletes are, you know, the, the face of a lot of companies, especially here in New York. Yeah. And, uh, so, so overall, has it been what I, what I expected? No, not even close, <laughs> but, um, am I pleased with the results after year one? Absolutely. The, the progress and trajectory that I'm, that I'm at right now. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm definitely liking the, the transition. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sounds like it. Um, so I guess for someone that didn't have that prior sort of experience from the crossover from the entertainment world into the, into sports, um, obviously, you know, or you can at least provide some insight on the fact that starting your own agency can be tough. So just in a, in a micro sort of way, how much effort and work has you, has it actually been to get JD sports off the ground and how long have you been active for now? Um, doing that so we've been active for since we founded i founded um Abraham sports agency last last march as soon as i got certified yeah um yeah there's is definitely you know the the first thing the first bit of advice i got from a couple of my nfl friends was uh get on with an agency and learn the business that way and um and uh you know, I was like, I took their advice. And so I started reaching out to some of the agencies and, and it was, it was really baffling that they wouldn't take on someone with my experience. And, and, uh, but at the end of the day, they want someone that can bring something to the table. And, um, if you don't have a, if you don't have a high profile kid waiting to sign with you, then, you know, they don't really want to have any, any business dealing with you. Well, why am I going to pay you a salary? to travel and, and scout and everything else. And, you know, I could lose money, you know, that, that way, basically. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, it was extremely tough, but at the end of the day, it was like, listen, like this is, you know, I got, I got to do this. Like, so basically, yeah, starting a small agency is tough because the first year is just, you know, establishing the foundation and I was traveling, you know, I, 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 I mean, I travel like all the time. So it's, it's, it's super, super stressful. It's, you know, the finances are obviously, you know, important just making sure that your, your clients are taken care of when the time is right and for the pre-draft and everything else. So there's a lot of money at stake and it's risky, but you know, if, if you, you know, I, I tell this to everyone, I'm like, I love what I do. Like this is the best job in the world. You know, yeah, I get the scout scout basketball players and help them you know help them achieve their dreams 
and and be financially set for the rest of our lives so they can take care of their family and, and everything else. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's definitely been a whirlwind this first year and, and there's been a lot of ups and downs, you know, but I think it was, it was necessary for me to kind of experience it before the whole pre-draft process happened. I get to of politics and I've learned a lot, you know, this year, just how to manage the ups and downs and, and, um, you know, keep your, keep your guys positive after they, you know, they get cut or released or whatever the case may be. And, um, I think it's, you know, experiences, you know, I, I told, I told someone before, uh, right after I, I got denied by a bunch of the agencies, I was like, listen, like, I'm just going to go in guns blazing. <laughs> I'm going to learn on the go. I'm going to, I'm, I'll make some mistakes, but you know, hopefully, you know, I'll make some mistakes along the way, but you know, this is, this is, the, this is the route that I got to go because no one's given me an opportunity and, and, uh, it just, it, it is what it is. Yeah. Now, would I trade that for anything going back? Would I t- go on with the bigger agency? No, I would, I would, I would definitely stick this route because, I mean, I'm in position to, you know, secure some pretty high level of talent. I mean, obviously I'm not going to sign all of them, but you know, I'm in a good position right now to, to get some good players. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's the, the nitty and gritty of it. Um, yeah. (laughs) You're one client at the moment. Um, what can you tell us about him and his chances at the NBA right now? Well, he's, you know, I think biggest thing with him right now is just, you know, he, he played, he played, you know, in his limited minutes in the D league, he played, you know, there was times where he could tell he looked out of place. Um, but there was, there was glimpses of, of what he could be. And, and that's what, you know, and, and I spoke with my dad about it as well before. And he's like, listen, like, you know, you don't know what to really fully expect when he comes over here. I mean, he may, I mean, you, you may execute this plan to perfection and he may go and be a D league all-star and get drafted or it could go the other way. And, and, you know, he could play in five games and average five minutes a game. So, um, but, but he's, he's, he's a long, he's a long kid. He's six ten. He's super young. He's 20 years old. He played for he's played at a high level since he turned professional at age 15. He's been playing with the Real Madrid junior team. He's played with the Studiantes. He's finally set in with more Bank Andorra. I think Andorra is going to do a really good job in developing him and getting him ready. And I think in two or three years, you're going to see a really confident player that that knows how to you know utilize everything that he has. And he's going to be he's going to be a problem for a lot of a lot of the NBA. I think. I mean, if he if he really develops his his uh, his three point shot, if he becomes a stretch four, he's already got the low post game. He's already got the low post game and the and the shot blocking ability to you know disrupt. I mean, he can be he can be like a Thaddeus Young type player. He can be like a, a Bismarck Biombo with more offensive upside. Right. Um, obviously, those are those are best case scenarios, or he could just end up being a you know a backup center you know at the at the next level. Um, 
which would still be fine. I mean, he's still going to make plenty of money. Yeah. But obviously, you know, you want you want a player that that's going to, you know, wants to be the best and and get better. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned earlier that Larry Brown. How did that come about? Because I think that's that's really interesting of um, <laughs> <laughs> to have someone of that stature on your resume. I mean. Yeah, just yeah. if you can provide some insight of how that came about, that's that'd be really good, I think. Yeah. So, Larry, um, <laughs> Larry, kind of, kind of came, kind of like a curveball, basically. So, I have a, I have a young cousin that's playing, uh, playing. He's the youngest player playing in the Iranian Premier uh, Super League for basketball. He's like nineteen years old. Right. And he got invited to the NBA Without Borders camp last year at the All Star Weekend, and um, and I guess he had a pretty good camp. And there were some college coaches there that were that were um, you know there scouting or whatever. And um, and so I got a call from an assistant coach from Vanderbilt about my cousin. He was just asking, like, is are his grades, you know, does he have grades and blah, 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 blah. Does he want to come over and play and all this other stuff? And I was like, you know, I'll talk to him. You know, I, I don't know right now, but, I mean, I'm sure the experience was was pretty positive for him. So um, I, I spoke with him, and he expressed interest in coming and playing college here and, and – uh, and then I, uh, I got a call, and uh, they wanted to recruit him. And uh, I was like, okay, you know. And and so I have family in Dallas as well. My dad went. My dad lives there. My two of my cousins went to SMU. So all around, I thought it would be a good fit. And I was like, yeah, just have have Brown call me, and and uh, and um, we'll we can you know we can talk more and get everything sorted, and and then. Um, he basically started this slow process of recruiting him. And then when, when Brown resigned abruptly in June, I was like, Oh, (laughs) okay. Well, how does this affect a recruitment? And so Brown called me and he's like, listen, like I've resigned. Um, but Jane, but Tim is going to continue to recruit Amir as his point guard. And I was like, well, no offense, but I wanted him to come play for you. <laughs> you know, like that was the whole that was the whole intrigue about it was him coming to play for you and getting him ready for the NBA and everything else. And and he's like, well, you know, it's just not going to happen now. So we talked a little bit more, and I just kind of, you know, it got more on a personal level. I was just like, listen, what was the deal with SMU? Like, why did you leave? You had a really good thing going there. You were building them into a powerhouse. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I mean, it was just basically, you know, it was basically just, you know, college administration stuff where they just didn't see eye to eye on on certain things. And and, uh, he just decided to walk away from it. And uh, and then shortly after that, I just I reached out to him and just because I knew he was he was upset about the whole thing. I know he loves coaching and and uh, and he's got so much, you know, experience and knowledge about the game and then he needs to be out there coaching. So I, I, I respect that about him that he doesn't do it for the money. Like he just wants to coach. And, and um, so I just, you know, I spoke to him. I was like, how about, you know, let me, me, if you get, 
because your resume speaks for itself. You should have no problem finding something. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I would love that. You know, I don't have a, I don't have an official agent. I've had family friends help me with, with a bunch of the contracts that I've done. And, and, uh, I know, you know, the, the European side of it a little bit better than, than people over here. So yeah. And basically that's kind of how it came about. Um, and, and we've been, you know, just monitoring the, the, the market and, and, uh, there's been some opportunities, but it hasn't really fully panned out. I'm not really uh, just yet. Um, I think I, I expect there to be a lot of activity coming up when the seasons are over and coaches start getting fired and and stuff starts to open up. But um, I mean, yeah, it's it's definitely a it's definitely a selling point with with you know potential clients and just basically like I mean I'm recruiting one kid from North Carolina right now. And I'm um, going to meet his parents next week. Right. And uh, and you know, I told Brown, I said, hey, you might you might get a call from me because I mean, you're a North Carolina legend. You played there. I mean, if they really want to get the full experience of what we're going to be able to offer them, then I'm going to want to call you. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you've won a coaching a college coaching title. You won an NBA title. You're a first ballot Hall of Famer. Like. You know, so it, it's been good for me in, as far as utilizing the the partnership with him as far as, you know, it gives me more credibility, especially being a new agent. Yeah. And and then also, you know, when we do get the deal done, when we do get his deal done we're with wherever whatever team he goes in place for, it, it looks really good for me as well, just the fact that. I negotiated the contract and, and put him where he is. And, and, uh, it gives, it gives parents a little bit more, uh, comfort when they go to bed, just knowing that, you know, if this guy, if this guy trusts, you know, Josh Everham to handle his career, then, you know, I think, I think our kids will be okay as well. You know? It's so a, it's a good, it's a good, uh, backup to fall on basically. It is. It's 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 a good problem. It's a good problem to have. And I don't think a lot of uh, I don't. I mean, I'm just spitballing here, but I don't think a lot of agents, you know, especially within the time that they've been in operation, have been able to, you know, put this kind of piece, this kind of weapon in your arsenal to go after kids. Because, yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna lie and say it doesn't it doesn't work because it does. I mean, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't be in this position to sign these, these high profile kids, you know, if, if it wasn't a mixture of, of me just, you know, being completely straight up and honest with them and just telling them, listen, like, I love what I do. Like, um, you know, it's not, it's not really about the money for me. I just want to enjoy what I do and help these kids get to where they can, you know, get to where they can be. And, but I mean, make no mistake about it. I mean, Larry Brown has definitely been a, a, a tool in my arsenal that I, I fully expect to utilize for the years to come until I start to get more established and, and things of that sort. So yeah, it's been great. He's, he's a really, really great guy. Um, despite the media and, and the way they portray him, he's just a really nice guy and, and uh, a very old school. Um, <laughs> so Sometimes when you talk to me, you just kind of got to, you know, all right, man, you're, you're from a different generation than I am, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, 
but I think he, he, he enjoys, he enjoys it as well. It gives him a little, you know, he likes, you know, keeps his, you know, we keep his spirits up even though in this tough time where he hasn't been able to get employment yet. And, and, um, but I'm, I'm confident we're going to be fine, be able to find him something in the next couple of months and get him back to get him back to coaching. I would hope so. Cause yeah, he is, he is a great coach. I'm still baffled as to why SMU let him go. I'm baffled. I'm just like, because he had, he told me after he left, he's, he's like, listen, Josh, I had, I had, uh, I had Harrison coming. I had this kid, Bruno Fernando coming. And then I had his best friend, uh, the top ranked recruit in 2018, shimmy, uh, Silvio D'Souza. Uh, coming and they're like they're both from Angola and they're like best friends and he was the number one recruit in 2018 and, and he, I had him coming too I was like are you kidding me <laughs> yeah. like did you not tell SMU all of this and they're like, he was like yeah I mean they just you know they just didn't want to give me a long term contract basically and I'm like well whatever I mean you're proof you did you did what you needed to do there you took him to two NCAA tournaments for three 25 win seasons yeah i mean they're lost you can cope you yeah they're lost i mean and and i don't hate smu but i don't i don't really i don't really i didn't really like jankovic in the beginning anyway so um i'm not really i'm not really too concerned with what smu does anymore even though they're my hometown hometown school and all that jazz but in terms of overseas basketball, I guess from your perspective, what have you seen in terms of the opportunity that it's giving players? We sort of talked about this um, a bit off of off air, but yeah, what what are you what are you seeing in the market nowadays? Because basketball and especially like when you're recruiting, uh, the overseas market is just blown up now. So what are you seeing? Um, what are you seeing in the opportunity going around these days? Well, there, there's a lot of, oh, yeah, I've been very cognizant of, of what's happening over in Europe right now. Um, uh, you know, being a, being an agent, you get, you know, especially, especially on social media, you get several, several inquiries about players needing representation for overseas now, what they don't understand is that it's it's not as easy as, as one thinks. You know, obviously, when you go into a situation, you want to have something that a team wants. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, it's going to make your job extremely difficult. You're going to utilize a lot of time, and it's just usually it just doesn't pan out. Now, what I've learned from the European market right now is that it's extremely diluted. Um and, and what I mean by that is that is that there's there's so many teams and there's so many players that are looking. I mean, you have to factor in the the import rule, which limits you know you know teams to typically three to five import players. Yeah. So you have to keep that in mind. You have to keep about. You have to keep in mind the D League salaries. Which are extremely low. So, um, you know, right now, 
the Euro- European market has has the upper hand in attracting higher level talent. Now you don't get as much exposure with the NBA if that's your in game as far as doing that, but you're going to make more money in Europe and you're going to get to play yeah. basically. Um, but what a lot of these kids don't realize is that, you know, so many of them just want to be labeled as a pro basketball player, which means they'll take whatever salary the team will give them. I had a, I knew I had a friend last year that was playing in the Iceland first division and then the team didn't renew his contract and he was like, he's like, Josh, can you help me? And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll reach out to some teams and, and see if there's any interest, but I'm not going to guarantee anything just because you didn't really play in a really good division and, and all this other stuff. So basically he, uh, I reached out to some teams. I didn't get any interest. And then, um, and then basically he took a, he took a job with the Irish, Irish team in the super league for, I mean, next to nothing. I mean, they were paying him like 300 euros a month. God. And I'm like, and I'm like, what are you doing? Like, he's like, man, that was, that was the only job I could take. Like, and I'm like, listen, you're screwing everything up for everyone else because every, now every team knows they have the leverage against these players taking these small salaries. Like, that's nothing. Like, there's guys in McDonald's that make more, more than you. Like, <laughs> And, uh, and just because you want to be a pro baller, like it doesn't make sense. So, you know, the, I think from a team's perspective, especially in Europe is like, okay, well we have this really decent player that's asking for $13,000 a month. Is there another guy that's comparable that we can pay him $1,000 a month? Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's the biggest thing where, it's becoming super diluted and the teams know that they have leverage in the, in the negotiations. Um, and that's, that's kind of what like strays me away from the international side of it is like, listen, like I'm not, I'm not going to bring over a kid to Europe unless I know he's like, he's played in the summer league or he's played in the D league or he has NBA experience because other than that, I mean, you're not going to command top dollar. Yeah. So it's just not worth it for me to do do all of the work and then make, you know, $800 off of commission or whatever the case may be. Now, another thing to consider is that the D-League, the new collective bargaining agreement this year has just raised the D-League salaries from, I mean, basically tripled them. So that's going to be that's going to be a very good thing for leveraging out you know, the playing field with Europe and, and, and the D league and keeping players because I mean, uh, I think the D league is going to become super competitive next year. And then the talent level in Europe is going to go down and they're going to have to drive the salaries up. If yeah. that makes sense Yeah. to, to attract more talent. Like if the D if D league, if the, if a guy has a D league contract offer and he's making 10 grand a month, then there's no point for him to go overseas and play where he's going to have a better shot to make the NBA playing in the D league. Now what the European teams will have to do is basically just pony up and pay stupid money. And, um, to, to get these guys, I mean, they'll have to pay him 20, $30,000 a month to get them over there. 
And, um, I mean, that's, that's kind of how I see the whole European market right now. I don't really have a huge interest in it. Um, but I know at some point some of my players will have to go down that road. So I'm just, you know, but obviously I want to have something that that's going to be relatively, um, relatively easy to, to market, market the player and just make sure that he gets a good deal and, and, uh, that the team is happy as well. I mean, and that's, that's, I mean, that's the European market for you in a nutshell, at least from my perspective. (laughs) Yeah. So do you feel like in a way your select, your like selection on basically how much you look to the European market is in a way, uh, well, it has an effect in a way of how the teams might placate on, uh, a player's desperation, not only to be professional, but just to try and either start making money professionally or try and use that route as a quick way to get into the NBA instead of going to college and stuff like that. Do you feel like that plays a big role in it too? Um, I think it does a little bit. Just I, you, you just don't see a lot of kids jumping over to overseas anymore. Just I mean, aside from Moutier, went to China and played like eight games. I mean, he made a mill mill in like two months, I think. Um, but other than that, I mean, yeah, I, I definitely think European teams will are definitely aware of the fact that you know, especially the low. I mean, not so much the bigger the bigger level teams because they can attract the the big level talent, the NBA, right. the ex NBA draft picks, things like that. But for a lot of these smaller teams, like the second and third division and smaller countries, yeah, it definitely plays a big big factor into it. Just the fact that. Like, you know, we have to, you know, they're, they're predicated on winning games and they got to bring in the best player, but at the same time, they're probably low budget teams that don't make a lot of money. So they have to, you know, I've heard of problems with teams paying players and things like that. So you just want to make sure you're sending them to a good situation. And, um, but absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, what you touched on is that, I mean, you know the the players, uh, you know, don't really have a lot of leverage unless you're you're a top guy. Yeah. I mean, and I think that it's like that everywhere. I mean, you know, a lot of players think that agents are like miracle workers, and we're not. We just, you know, we. <laughs> you, you are I mean? there. You are. <laughs> <laughs> you can. <laughs> well, I tell myself that in the mirror. <laughs> That's going to be your next uh, marketing campaign for sure. I work miracles. <laughs> yeah. That'll, that'll definitely board. put you ahead of the competition for sure. <laughs> <laughs> there, was a, there was a movie that came out that I watched. It was pretty funny. Uh, um, what was it? Uh, I Love You, Man. Or uh, with uh, Paul Rudd and the kid from uh, uh, Jason Siegel. And he was a real estate agent. And the guy like buys him a wedding gift. And uh, he was like a pretty like cookie cutter kind of like real estate agent, yeah. pretty boring, like doesn't have a lot of sales. And then he, he buys him a gift. Uh, his wedding gift is like a bunch of billboards with like these like funny like real estate slogans like uh, James Bond and did like this pimp, like I'll pimp your house out. And <laughs> it was just funny. I was like, yeah, it might be a good marketing tool. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. You never Down know. the road. Well, who else is doing it? You get to play it from that angle. 
<laughs> yeah, be the first to set ablaze the trends. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. So, <laughs> for sure. Um, okay, yeah. So I mean, uh, expanding a bit on like uh, players and just dealing with teams and stuff like that. I mean, again, we had a little conversation about this um, off air, but um, can you sort of give us some insight on uh, either? I guess you're. I guess you could do it like this. What was your toughest negotiation, your easiest one, and just how, what could it be like to sort of um, uh, field what could be going into a tough negotiation and how do you sort of perceive that and then how do you play at that? Well, I mean, there, I, I mean, like anything, there's, there's tons of things to consider, um, you know, especially going into a... a, a I mean, any any tough negotiation is basically a negotiation where you have no leverage. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, best way to um, say it. <laughs> so I mean, um, I mean that's that's pretty much uh, that pretty much sums that uh, a tough negotiation. Now, um, with that being said, the approach is basically you know to find a, a reasonable common ground and make sure that it's fair it's fair for both parties and that, and then at the end of the day, they're going to get their opportunity to do what they do and, and basically be a bridge contract is, is kind of how I see it. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, any, any easy, easy negotiation. I mean, it's, it, I mean, if they have, if you have a player that they want that they've drafted, it's usually pretty simple. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, you know, cross all in the, the, the first round, the first round contracts are pretty standard as far as there's not a lot of room for negotiations aside from some minor terms and, and, uh, guarantees and things like that. Um, the, the salaries are already set by the CBA, so there's not really anything you can do to, to market that or, you know, enhance the value of that. Um, you know, I'd say, I mean, I'm trying to think. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, easy negotiations can come and go, um, especially when you don't have other options. I mean, it's just basically pretty easy just to take the, you know, the, the first thing, but obviously you have to run it by the client and just basically explain to them that these are the pros and cons. And then, you know, you let them make the decision going off of, you know, your counsel and your, your advice, um, I, I try to do that with all of my clients and just let them, you know, they're grown men, let them make their own decisions, yeah. but just give them the, you know, the best information that you can and, and, um, you know, um, and, and kind of go about it that way. Um, you know, some of the endorsements are, are pretty fun to negotiate. Um, those are a little bit more like the, the wild, wild west kind of, um, you know, because they're, you know, they've approached you, so you know there's interest, but you don't know, like, what they're, you know, it's just kind of fun to, um, you know, I obviously, with, with endorsements, depending on the company, I, I throw out pretty outrageous numbers sometimes <laughs> and, and just kind of get a feel for them and, and then kind of see where they're at. And it's a little bit more fun to do the endorsement side of it. Um, but hopefully, um, you know, once if, if any of my guys hit their, you know, free agency at some point, I'll, I'll get to experience that. And I'm sure it'll be pretty fun, um, you know, just getting courted by 
courted by other teams and, and fielding offers and, and sorting through everything. I think a lot of the, I think the number one thing to realize when, when you do the contract negotiation is just be very prepared and be, you know, have your research done um, because the NBA teams will definitely try to take advantage of, you know, situation. I think at least in my gut feeling is that they'll try to, you know, it's a business for them. So if they can get a, you know, if they can get a player at a, at a really good price, then, then they're going to do it, you know, yeah. but you got to look out for the best interest of your player and make sure that he's getting the maximum amount that he can. And, and, uh, so it's very active. It's a very, um, it's a very active, um, time during the off season. And, uh, just, I, I think the biggest things are just making sure you're prepared and, and, um, and uh, you know, be open to every everything that comes your way. Right. Uh, all right. Well, we'll round it out with this one. I'm. Uh, hopefully, you can uh, give us some good words of wisdom. And anybody listening that might be thinking of following in your footsteps, I guess, to become a sports agent or for someone who wants to be one, what advice would you give them? Well, I mean, I think, you know, I think the biggest thing that I've learned is, um, it's, it's, you know, and, and I, I, I was, I was aware of this before I went into the sports industry is that it's not all, <laughs> it's not all what people imagine it is. It's not, it's not Jerry Maguire. It's not, uh, it's not, uh, entourage. It's not ballers. Um, <laughs> Oh well, now um, you now you've ruined it for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they were just thinking that. During, <laughs> yeah, there's, I mean, th- there's obviously certain days during the year that it's it's definitely like that. But if they think it's a year long thing like that, it's not. Yeah. But there's definitely, you know, there's definitely times during the season where you get to celebrate and have a good time and and lay back and and just kind of enjoy the ride. Um, and I think at the end of the day, those are, those are the times that I really look forward to, especially pushing through, you know, all of the hard work that I've put through, you know, especially this, this first year. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing is just, you know, realizing that it's not a, it's not a typical nine to five job. I mean, it's, it's literally 24 seven and there's always fires to put out. There's always, you know, everyone's coming at you in different directions. There's always athletes looking for representation, um, regardless of your, you know, your stature or, or your reputation or anything like that. Um, but I think um, as long as you enjoy what you do and, and you love, you know, obviously, you know, you love what you do and and uh, and you have good intentions about it and you don't, you know, fluff yourself up more than than you should then i think you know you have a really good chance to be successful i mean i mean just and i'm not even calling myself successful but just you know within the first year i put myself in a pretty unique situation where you know you got to manage the ups and downs that's that's a big thing you know just being able to handle the highs and lows because they come and go very quickly and um and just staying even keeled and positive. And, um, you know, and I, I think, 
I think those are good, you know, solid foundation blocks for anyone that wants to be a sports agent and just love what you do and, and have fun doing it. And, and, uh, you know, network (laughs) that's, that's definitely one. And, and, um, you know, and, and I, I get the, I get the question all the time from, from people, you know, via email, I'm looking to be an agent. I'm like, what, what do I need to do? The number one thing I tell them is if you're thinking about doing it and you have the capabilities to do it, then do it because you always, you always be wondering down the road if, if you could have done that. I mean, a lot of people tell me, Oh, you have the coolest job in the world. It's my dream job, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, but I mean, you can do. I mean, I'm not. I'm no different than you are. You can do the same thing. Go and get the certification and go be an agent. Yeah. You know. So, I mean, obviously, there's there's finances and things you have to factor in as well with that. But you know, on the grand scheme of things, if 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 you're gonna do it, you know, just take the plunge and do it. I mean, that's what I did, and and uh, it was it was scary as hell. But. You know, I've just enjoyed the ride and, and uh, it's it's been working out pretty well for me so far. So just, you know, another, uh, you know, we'll see what happens in the next year and, and go from there. <laughs> That's it. I mean, couldn't have said it any better myself. But yeah, like, I mean, yeah, I, you, you can only take it for what it is and just do it. Um, I guess that, yeah, it's a lot of things in life. So, well, that was perfect. Okay, well, I mean, look, if you want to jump into the second part, uh, we can end this with a few light, light-hearted things. Um, I have two quick questions, actually. Um, yeah, go for it. So, you, you mentioned 2 chains. Now, don't know if a lot of our listeners are rap fans, but I certainly am. So, just, I wanted to <laughs> dig a bit, a little bit into that. So, what was that like? Because for me, that's that's interesting. <laughs> Um, yeah, it was, it was fun. I'm not going to lie. It was, uh, it was a fun time. Um, yeah, you know, he was, he was definitely, uh, he was definitely a, a high, you know, a, a big time name at the time. I mean, he still is, but, yeah. um, he's, he's actually a, a really, really cool guy. Um, really cool guy. He loves, he loves to have fun he puts on great performances wherever he goes. And, um, he likes to take care of the people that, that, uh, you know, are in his close circle and his family and, and he just likes to have fun and he lives it up. You know, that's the best way to do it. If that's the one thing I learned from him is that, is that, uh, I mean, the guy just loves to have fun and, and be around his friends and, 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 uh, put on good performances. I mean, I remember I was in a, at a show with him in Dallas and this guy brought in, he actually asked me to negotiate it with the, with the venue to have them bring in 40 bottles of crystal (laughs) and then (laughs) 40 bottles of crystal to share with the whole venue. Oh wow! And, uh, and then, um, and then his VIP area, he was like, I want all of my friends and family there and make sure there's fried chicken. <laughs> I was like, that's it? He's like, yep. Yeah. I was like, and you're getting, you're getting soft on me now. This is, this is going to be too easy. <laughs> he loves his fried chicken and he loves performing. And he's a good guy. He's, he really is a nice guy. And, and uh, I'm, gonna, I'm actually going out to L.A. in a couple weeks. I'm going to try to link up with him when I'm out there. Um, oh, nice. But he's he's busy and and uh, 
but uh, yeah, it's definitely a, a good marketing tool with with players as well. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> some point, you know, they they usually have an interest in 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 music or hip hop or something like that. So yeah, uh, I was gonna say yeah. you you should have included the fried chicken and uh, uh, bottles of Cristal in your easy negotiations. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> or tough, either way. It literally took like ten minutes to get it done. They were just like, they they literally were like, "How many bottles?" I was like, 40. and they're like, "Okay." Oh my god! Is there a particular reason why he wants forty bottles of crystal? I was like, "Don't worry about it. Yeah, just make it happen." Don't ask me. Just do it. <laughs> just do it. You want them there? Make it happen. But yeah, it was. It was yeah, that was definitely a. It was definitely one of the easiest negotiations I ever had. <laughs> <laughs> and, and most importantly, can two chains actually bowl? Because I've heard some things. Can he actually play ball? Yeah. <laughs> He's got some game, actually. <laughs> um, he can. He can. I, I his three points. We we've we've dinked around on the. We've done some like half court shots and like with some of my guys. I invited him out to Miami um, back in November, and he came out with with uh, Floyd Floyd Mayweather. All right. And uh, and uh, we had like a half court shooting contest, and he, he's actually pretty good, believe it or not. Like he's got some range on him, so yeah, he can. I think if he uh, lays off the the chicken a little bit, you know, he could probably be a little bit more mobile. But yeah, he can he can he can definitely fling it up. Nice, nice. Um, and just coming back to Larry Brown, have you asked him any Iverson stories? <laughs> no, I haven't actually. He was actually um, he invited me out to the Hall of Fame ceremony in uh in springfield back in november and uh i was on a trip to the virgin Islands, so i wasn't able to go but i was <laughs> no i actually that's that's actually something i need to do i need to ask him about that because <laughs> i i keep forgetting that he was he was his coach and and um no i haven't though but i'm sure he's got some good ones and i'll definitely relay him over to you when i, when I do ask him <laughs> that's gonna be my first First question when I talk to him on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> One of these days, it's just like, uh, not even like from a sports agent point of view, but just as a basketball fan, I can't believe that hasn't come out yet. Oh, man. I gotta, I, I'm gotta. i going to have to like sit down with him in like a, in a living room and yeah. for him to tell me those stories. With 40 bottles of Cristal and fried chicken. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. Okay, well, so let's go into some NBA stuff. I'm sure you, we we chatted a little bit beforehand about some stuff that's on your mind, but um, I guess uh, we'll start. Well, I, mean, I know this is a, a fair while away, and everybody's been probably asked, but what are you seeing this year in terms of the finals, and what's your whole point of view on who you want to see there, who you think's going to be there? Well... Um, I mean, you know, I watched, I watched Golden State last night, actually, and, um, you know, I just, I think, you know, what they, what they've assembled is, I mean, I have, I have certain opinions on, on Durant, so, um, 
please. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's, you know, I think I think he kind of pulled a, Lebr- a LeBron move, kind of. I mean, he basically, you know, he could have been, you know, especially especially with with the vulnerability of, of I mean, not the vulnerability, but just uh, you know the you know the Spurs are getting older, you know, one injury on the Warriors, and they're you know. You know, they're, you know, one injury to Curry or one injury to Thompson, and they're, you know, they're even with yeah. a bunch of the teams in the West. So I didn't really, I didn't really think him going to Golden State was going to do anything to in, uh, enhance his legacy, aside from the fact that he's going to win a title. But I think even with that, it's going to be like, okay, well, you did it with four other, three other All Stars. Like, yeah. I mean, you are you. You and I could do the same thing, and I mean, I mean, obviously not not the same thing, but <laughs> I, yeah, I think you, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think I think with this season, they're playing really well right now. But I just think at the end of the day, when it gets to the playoffs, everything it's it's a different it's a different style of play when it comes to the playoffs. It's it's more half set. Like there's more. You know, there's more calls, more plays. It's it's slower. It's not as up tempo. It's strategic, and um, I just I, I mean, I obviously think it's going to be the Spurs or the the Warriors that come out of the West. Um, um, I'd probably give the edge to the Spurs right now, just because I think with bringing in Durant the first year, I think there's. There's going to be, you know, they're going to have to figure out how to play in the playoffs together. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, they're running and gunning right now. They're all averaging 30 points a game, but you're not going to do that in the playoffs. Like, I guarantee you that. Um, so I think with the with the players that the Spurs have and the longevity and, and Aldridge has a second year under his belt, I think the Spurs are the favorites, regardless of their record. Um to come out of the West. Um, now again, I could be wrong, and I could be completely wrong, and Golden State destroys them. But I just I don't. Obviously, it's going to depend on the injuries and and how Parker and, and Ginobili contribute in the playoffs and and those kind of things. But I think it's going to be a hell of a conference final. Um, I'll probably give the edge to the Spurs in seven. In the East, um, you know, I'm I'm kind of sick of hearing about all the LeBron drama with him being unhappy about the roster and complaining and like, dude, just just like be quiet and play. Like, yeah, you guys will be fine. No one's gonna beat you in the East. No one's gonna touch you guys. Um, so I obviously think the Cavs are gonna come out of the West or the East. Um, you know, I. I it's tough to say who I, I would pick in the finals. I think repeating is extremely difficult nowadays. Yeah. Um, to do it two times in a row, you just haven't seen it done that much, you know, if at all in the past like decade. So, um, but I mean, if any team can do it, it's going to be the Cavs. Um, I mean, they got Kyrie, they got LeBron. I mean, you saw what LeBron did last finals, just basically put him on their back and, took them to a championship. Yeah. So um, if they're rested and they're healthy, I think the Cavs 
beat them in seven, whoever comes out of the West. Um, if it's the Warriors, I think they're going to they're gonna struggle because, you know, just putting in a new player and figuring out how to play together and, and, and going up against those guys, um, it's just going to be tough. Um, if it's, if it's the Spurs, yeah, I, I think it's a crapshoot. I, I really couldn't tell you who would win that. I'd probably give it to the Cavs. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, that, that's, that's kind of what I think. Um, uh, you know, I don't really take the regular season into account that much. I think it's just too many games and, and, uh, it's bullshit basketball. So <laughs> you think they should shorten it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think they should. I mean, they definitely won't just because money. there's so much new contract money and TV and endorsements. And there's yeah. just – they're making so much money right now. The owners, I mean, and the players, they wouldn't do that. But um, obviously you got to deflate. you got to be wary of injuries and the – I mean, the new CBA addresses a lot of the, the scheduling issues for next year with, like, the back-to-backs and everything else. Yeah. They're stupid. Like you, you shouldn't be playing like three games in four days. It's ridiculous. Like yeah, yeah. That's yeah. That's definitely something that's plaguing them at the moment. But I think they'll fix it. Um, uh, so where are you at now? The great debate is who's MVP. And I was actually surprised you didn't mention the Rockets coming out of the West. But um, who is your MVP right now? Right now. Well, and, and and I think the Rockets are going to give. I think the Rockets are going to give whoever they play a lot of trouble. Um, whether it's the Spurs or the Warriors, I think they got. I like I like the Rockets a lot actually. Yeah. Like they they have a nice they have a nice team. I just don't think they have enough artillery um, just yet to bang with. And I think they they're missing maybe one or one guy to put it all together. Yeah, another like score wing wing player. You know that kind of thing. Um, uh, as far as MP- MVP goes, uh, yeah, that's a tough one too. Um, I mean, I'm gonna discount everyone on the Golden State Warriors just because playing with four All Stars, um, you should be putting up MVP type numbers. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm not gonna pick anyone from the Warriors. Um, LeBron, I mean, I don't think he really cares about MVPs anymore. Um, and, and, um, if I had to give it, it'd be a toss up between Harden and Westbrook. Um, and then, and then maybe a dark horse would be the, the kid from the Bucks, um, the Greek, the Greek kid. Giannis? Yeah. Yeah. I really like him a lot. Oh yeah, he's gonna be great. He's gonna be he's so gonna great. Be, he's he's gonna be just scary in did, like four years. Like, did you have he's to, gonna be scary? Did you happen to watch that game where they played the Cavs and it was like I think it um, they played the Cavs in twice in like the same week and in the first game he was just going at everybody. He just looked unstoppable. He is on. I mean, I, he, <laughs> he is. Yeah. He actually, actually, Wally Wally plays with his br- older brother, uh, Donisus, at Mora Bank Andorra. Yeah. 
And uh, and before he left for the D League, uh, Don- Donis was talking to Giannis on the phone, and Wally like Wally like was walking by, and and uh, and Donis was like, "Hey, Giannis, I'm talking to the next Serge Ibaka. Say hi." <laughs> <laughs> they like spoke on the phone, um, and uh, no, but he he's he's just I mean six eleven can handle like a point guard. Uh, he's he's freakish athletic. I mean, yep. um, I think he's going to be the the future MVP for sure. And and the Bucks are looking looking really good. They're, um, they're in a good spot. They, they're in a good spot. Um, if I had to choose, though, I'd probably I'd probably pick Harden over Westbrook. Um, just because I think he's working with less, and they're playing really good basketball. And I love I love D'Antoni. Like I love, like I think he's a great coach if he has the right people yeah. in place. Yeah. You know he, he uh, who was he coaching before the Rockets? The was it the Knicks uh, or the oh, Lakers? Uh, yeah, it was the Lakers, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because he didn't last long at the Lakers. Yeah, but you, I mean that those. The, Kobe and Dwight, I yeah, mean, the, I those aren't his type of players. You know, he needs a he needs a scoring guard. He needs a, a James Harden to. I mean, look at he had Nash and Phoenix. Yeah, and he had Stoudemire. I mean, look at what he did there. I mean, you wow. know, so um, kudos to the Rockets for getting getting him and and putting him matching him with Harden and transitioning him over to the point because I think it's doing wonders for everyone. I think what he's doing. But yeah, I, I would pick Harden. I would I would pick Harden right now as my MVP. I mean, he's putting up stupid numbers and the team's playing really well. So yeah, I, I think what he's done with guys like Clint Capella, who on another team would probably not even see the court. Like it's amazing what he's done with those guys to integrate them into that whole thing. And James doesn't care who gets it. Like it's all they're all helping him anyway. Yeah, exactly, and and that was and that was funny when they let when they let Howard go. I knew about Capella, but I didn't think he was going to be you know. I didn't think he was going to be that much of a you know, especially when they hired D'Antoni. I was like, oh, well, he likes the international kids. Yeah, he likes the long rangey kids that can run the floor and block and rebound and score. You know, high percentage baskets, and I mean, they had no hesitation letting him leave letting Howard leave for 80 mil when they had Capella, you know, coming in and could do the same thing, probably even better than, than Howard did. And I just don't like Howard anyways. Like, <laughs> I just think he's, I think he's a, uh, underachiever with a, with a bad attitude. So he almost definitely was a product of, uh, Van Gundy's system in Orlando, wasn't he? Now that you're yeah, back absolutely. Yeah. Um, absolutely alright well I've got one last question here and um, you can fire on this one as much as you want because I feel like everybody's got uh, the feel good story of the year I think is just Joel Embiid and just give me your your take on Embiid (laughs) yeah I yeah yeah, I met met Joel at the summer league in uh, Vegas this summer and um and I spoke with him a little bit. He's a really good kid. Um, uh, really nice kid. Um, you know, I didn't really know what to expect, to be honest with you. I, I kind of, I saw, you know, before I even saw him play, I was, 
I, I thought to myself, Greg Oden, um, you know, uh, with all the injuries and, and, um, I just didn't really know what to expect, but I mean, when he's, I mean, when he's firing, like he's, he's, he's a monster. Like he's, I mean, I love watching him play. He's so excited and he loves playing and, um, he's, he's happy to be back on the court. And, and, uh, I mean, the guy with his size and, and mobility and to be able to do what he can do. I mean, you're looking at probably then the closest thing to Shaq that we'll ever see. Yeah. In today's age. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of dominance. Um, I mean, and, and I'm, I'm more of an old school basketball guy. So I love like old school, like Charles Oakley, like Anthony Mason, you know, like the nineties basketball where it was like you throw elbows in people's faces and that's <laughs> like a, you know, that's like a love tap, Yeah, you know? Um, and I think he brings a little bit of edge to the, to the Sixers. Um, and I mean, I mean, his numbers, I mean, phenomenal. And he's just, he's, he's just going to get better. I mean, he's just going to be, this is technically his rookie year. So I'm super excited about watching him play in the near future and seeing what he can do and just getting better. And, and hopefully he stays injury free. And, but I love it. Like I love, I love, I love what the Sixers have done. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm curious to see when Simmons gets healthy and they bring him on board and, and uh, see what they can do together because I think they're going to be scary. Yeah. Okay. And I also heard that they're uh, they're trying to trade Okafor, Jaleel Okafor. Well, I don't know if you saw that. I was just about to ask you. I mean, I've got one last one here because it just popped up. But um, I, in terms of, I mean, without having stuff in front of you and knowing who's available, but the trade deadline is coming up. So do you see any moves being made? Because I was going to say before, um, Washington have sort of risen very quickly in the East. And, yep. I mean, they they could really make a push to get... I mean, I don't know who they'd get off the top of my head, but if they got someone else, they could honestly look like they pose a threat, a real threat in the East. Um, but yeah, is there any absolutely. other... Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, it's tough to say right now. I mean... I, I, I honestly wouldn't be shocked if Anthony left just with all this, this crap that's going on. I wouldn't be shocked if Anthony's traded. Yeah. Um, I think he could be a good fit for the Clippers. I think he'd be a good fit, fit for the, even the bullet. I mean, the wizards as well, believe it or not. Um, no, keep calling you, them the bullets. That's perfect. <laughs> It does the yeah the bullets right? <laughs> they really just need yeah, to go back the, to that. The, the Wizards are the worst. That's the worst <laughs> franchise name ever. I I miss uh, the bullets big time. Uh, I could uh, raise you a New Orleans Pelicans, but we won't go into that. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a whole different level. Yeah, that's bad too. That's bad. New yeah. Orleans Pelicans. <laughs> I mean, I, actually, the one that actually is sounds really weird, but I really like is the Toronto Raptors. Like, I love, I love that, I love that logo. I love their, I love the name. Like, and it's in Canada. Like, it's super cool. Um, but yeah, the Pelicans are bad, They're really bad. At least, at least the the Raptors did their logo where it's like, it's actually cool. Like, it's just a claw. You know, it's like. Yeah. A, 
Um, but the Pelicans logo is just atrocious. I mean, it's like, what are you guys smoking? Yeah. Um, have you seen the, um, actually the worst mascot? Um, you know, the Kings, that, that baby that they've got, have you seen that thing? No, I haven't seen it. But if you're looking for a funny mascot, watch uh, Benny the Bull from the Chicago Bulls. If you go on YouTube, one of my friends used to send me all these funny clips of Benny the Bull uh, from the Chicago Bulls halftime or whatever. He just like dumps popcorn on it on fans and everything. It's pretty hilarious. You Look know, it up on YouTube if you get a chance. You know they hired yeah. a, a new guy to actually be Benny the Bull because the guy that used to do it, he I think he left not too long ago. And they were all like upset because he was so good at his job, and he was just <laughs> he so was awesome. Yeah, and so the new guy that they brought in, they're hoping. I love that, that guy. Yeah. I was dying. I was cracking up when I was watching when I was watching those those videos. Just uh, cracking up. He's so great. Um, yeah. All right. Well, that that's great. Um, thank you so much for doing that. That's really yeah, that's absolutely, really my pleasure. And, and I'm sure that some um, some people listening could get a lot out of that. That is uh, that is full of gold, um, full of great stories. And um, yeah, thank you so much for for giving your time and everything for that. That was great. Absolutely, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure speaking with you. And uh, uh, well, come on another time. Yeah, and down the road, I'd be more than happy to do that as well. Would love to.